Welcome to Postmodem, holy crap, is it hot outside edition. Summer's on the East Coast. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. It feels delightful outside to me. Man, you're excluded <laughs> from this conversation. You're from Texas. It's like being from Tatooine. <laughs> I don't I don't know if I can be in this conversation either. I mean, I grew up in Hawaii, where it's, you know, in the 80s every single day of the year. I just realized that of the three of us, I'm the only one who knows what it is to grow up shoveling a driveway. You mean like gravel, right? Like no, no, I don't, Colin. <laughs> I, I, I've I've shoveled horse shit. Yeah, it's similar. Did horse shit rain from the sky? No, no, that only happens in Cleveland. <laughs> is that a poop joke? Uh, yes. Okay. The answer is always yes. I'm not. I'm not very good with these poop jokes. It was an incidental poop joke. Yes. <laughs> So how about the trailer for that RZA, RZA movie? We need oh to talk about god. it immediately because, oh my god, oh my god. It's incredible. I, I actually had tried to keep my expectations low just because in case it wasn't good, then it wasn't, then I wouldn't be crushed. But holy shit, that looks amazing. Like, even if RZA hadn't been involved, I would be beyond stoked. But because... It's RZA and Eli Roth and, like, Quentin Tarantino and, like, people who know how to make these kinds of movies, right? Yeah. Right. Good actors and actresses. Yeah, and the cast just looks fantastic. Yeah. Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu. Um, Russell Crowe. Yep, yeah, Russell Crowe. punching guy. Yes, the punching guy. <laughs> Is that what we're calling Russell Crowe now, the punching guy? He punches people. He does. <laughs> Yeah, he, like he didn't. He hit a, he didn't. He hit. He hit a person with a telephone. There's the South Park bit about re- him hosting a show it. called uh, "Fighting Around the World." Right. Oh, they shot Tugger. Exactly. I remember this. I remember this all happening. But I just, I just find it extremely funny that that is that is now what he is apparently known for. You can't tell me that Russell Crowe doesn't look like the sort of person who just enjoys feeding on people. Oh, absolutely. He looks like an angry Australian bouncer. However, he's also a pretty good actor. Yes, he's a very good actor, I would say. He can act quite well, in fact. But honestly, in a movie where uh, Riza punches a guy so hard, his like eye flies out of his head in glorious CG, do we really need good acting? Probably not. It, I mean, it wouldn't hurt. It's true, it wouldn't hurt. It's gravy. It's just gravy. And you, you, you know what occurred to me during the trailer? And um, it, it reminded me a lot of Afro Samurai. Did you guys ever see that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, dude. Wasn't RZA, RZA was involved with that, or was it just He did all the music. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was that his first score, or was Kill um, Bill his first score? I think Afro Samurai was the first movie, was the first time he did the score. I don't think he actually did the score for Kill Bill. I think he, like did the like he composed music for it and was the like uh, yeah supervising yeah. like music person i don't remember there's, right. a, there's an official title for that but like yeah he uh basically he's the person who picked all the music that they used in the movie but he didn't he didn't do the film scoring i believe uh, but yeah he composed all the music in afro samurai and it's that's actually funny you mentioned that because he uh there's this one track on the uh that this album that I just recently listened to that sounds a lot like the Afro Samurai score and it's produced by RZA and uh Is this off the Master Killer yeah, album? Yeah, it's off the Master Killer album No Said Date, which came out around the same time as Afro Samurai. And it, that album is actually really solid. Like I listened to it the other day while walking around and it was like I was like, This is really good. Like and, and, and the other thing is that Master Killer does not lean on the guest appearances on that album. He like there are a number of tracks that are just him, and there's no. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, he's not the sort of guy who you would think would be able to carry a track by himself because the first his... side of the album is all him, basically. Like, and he does a really good job, and he like he mixes it up. There's you know, there's some storytelling stuff. There's some like just you know straight up just hard stuff. Like, he he does a really good job. It's it was the reason why I sought it out was because I saw. Like, I was, like, looking on Amazon a while ago at, like, just browsing around, and I ended up on some dude's, like, Amazon lists 
I think it was like his favorite Wu Tang albums, and that what the album was on there. And he said, "You gotta listen to this album. It will make you love Massacilla." And I'm like, "All right, I'll you know, sure." Like, that's pretty high praise. Okay. Um, yeah. And so it wasn't on. But the problem is, is that it's not on RDO. Oh, I have such a bone to pick with RDO right yeah, now. Yeah, it's not on RDO. So if you go, if you go search on YouTube for no said date, full album boom comes right up that works for almost any album by the way yes it does. <laughs> which is which is how the fuck do they not catch that hmm this 50 minute video with only one static frame for the whole thing probably pretty legitimate <laughs> i mean like i just i get the only way i can assume that it it doesn't get through their filters is that like they're all designed around looking for one track or a portion of a track like someone uploads, you know, a, a dupe of a song, or like uploads a, a movie with a clip of a song in it, you know, for like a home movie or whatever, and they're like, we gotta shut that shit down. But then, since it's you know, twelve tracks or whatever, all like one after another, they're like, they're you know, uh, algorithm or whatever they're they're looking for. It's just like I don't know what that is. <laughs> I figured that it would be. Uh sort of an opt-in kind of thing at least for automatic blocking of copyright that's true yeah uh and especially when you consider that uh a way they might do the fuzzy audio matching to determine you know whether you use a clip of a copyrighted song yeah. would probably be feeded in the you know test data stuff with clips of copyrighted stuff in it and uh let's be frank People are probably not going around dropping like no said date into their little iMovie videos at least not particularly <laughs> often <laughs> that's very true I, I would love to see like a baby's first step video with that song <laughs> that would be pretty amazing I think I'm the only one who actually knows the song so that's very possible <laughs> I think I've heard like a couple tracks from it but I haven't listened to it the whole way through yeah it's RDO oh I'm so mad yes oh, I'm so mad yes RDO excellent segue yeah it's it's shit the new design is because it's literally just a reskin of their old web UI, of their old UI. Like it's nothing. No, none of the interaction design problems in that app have been fixed. None of them have been fixed, and most it's of them have just, been worse. They just made it look visually worse. It just yes. looks worse. That's basically the only change. I I do agree with you that it, it looks like shit. But I thought the the most recent redesign before this one was also terrible. Um, in that you know they they decided to take. And this is very bizarre, given that their Mac app is basically just a wrapper for their web UI. Right. Mm -hmm. And they, they decided to make it look like this, you know, source list style Mac app. Like, who the fuck's idea was that? Yeah, and the, like, the color they chose was just this really unfortunate sort of, like, mold color. Like, that's what I always thought of when I looked at it. I'm like, that looks like the color of mold. Right, right. Like, that is, like, yeah. some growing on some wheat bread shit, like, right there. <laughs> like, yeah. do I have to and throw this away? Is that how this works? Like, I noticed, and I was thinking about this today, because they've redesigned a, a number of times in, in, in you know. Recently. A, a, yeah, recently. And, and, you know, the lifespan of their company isn't that long. And, no. you know, it reminded me of, you know, I worked at a place where um, we redesigned everything we burned everything down and redesigned it like three or four times yeah. um and and it says to me that uh how do i put this diplomatically um they don't know what the fuck they're doing <laughs> <laughs> oh man i think that's very possible now i i liked ish the old design it sort of it didn't bother me it didn't leap out and personally wrong me and normally I would slag on, uh, like, redesigns. I think it's a sort of dumb thing to get super upset over. But I spend, I always have RDO open is the thing. I literally always have it open. I use iTunes for mixtapes and music that isn't found on RDO, but uh, I use RDO for everything commercial that I can. So I literally have this app open all the time, and every time I open it, I just, it's awful i'm looking at it right now and i'm getting angry did, did the actual mac app got redesigned as well right yeah yeah, they, oh, yeah. It's, well it's oh, essentially yeah. the same thing but worse actually because uh, it's it's the everything is white it's like i thought it, i literally thought it was broken like when it it changed over <laughs> i'm like is it what happened why did how did it break like it's like that's weird because remember remember uh uh 
maybe like five or six years ago, like WebKit would have this problem where like like the the HTML would load and the CSS wouldn't have finished loading yet, right, and then right, you'd yeah. see like this white page with all these like blue links and like black text yeah, yeah, and everything, yeah. and then yeah, it's the flash of unstyled content is what that's called, and then. And that's what I thought happened here. I'm like, oh, did their CSS like fuck up and like not load for their like web view? Like, and then I'm like looking around and I'm like, no, it looks like they redesigned. Maybe I got like maybe something like maybe their FTP server wasn't finished uploading or something like that. Like, um, but no, nope, yeah, that's I, the way I it looks. It's thing. supposed to be white, like just you know zero 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 like or two five five two five five two five five like. If, if if I could re- revisit um, my 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 earlier kind of glib comment about them not knowing what they're, what they're doing, um, <laughs> what, I, what I mean by that is I think there's a tendency with companies that are are very heavily design focused um, to attack all of their problems, whether it be you know surely in their case you know user growth or whatever, just by like let's just put a new new coat of paint on it. Like that's that's the devil we know. Like surely the problem is in the design of our website and apps. Right, because that's where their instrumentation is, right? Right. Their 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 monitoring tools all track people coming into the site and like, you know, using it, and then they see that you know if they see that changing or if they see that not growing in the right way, they're like, well, we got to change the design, right? And you know they don't have instrumentation into like, you know, okay, how do we change our product and our offerings and like the overall like you know what I mean? Like it's easy to say like, oh well, this link needs to be bigger or like. When you get rid of these icons or whatever, but it's harder to like do in a data-driven way. Like, okay, well, what do our customers like? What do we have that our customer? What don't we have that our customers want? And what do we yeah. have that's costing us money that our customers don't give a shit about and we can get rid of? Like, and that's that's one of the problems with doing stuff data-driven, which I'm I'm pretty sure they are. I think that's that's perceptive. Uh, but really, it really bothered me that they pushed not only did they push out this skin uh over the air uh and it automatically updated into the app uh and when you push a an app out to a cross-platform cross-platform app onto the web onto windows onto mac and whatnot it really kind of breaks the fourth wall in a way you want to believe that your native apps are native right it's something that we hope for. The ultimate goal of a native app, of a of a cross-platform app, is to feel like a native app, right? Isn't that what uh, is always trumpeted by cross-platform toolkits? It really shattered the illusion for me. And another thing that shattered the illusion for me was being forced to download the entire like twenty meg app uh, again uh, because Sparkle <laughs> Sparkle kicked in immediately after the reskin. The bug fixes said theme bug fixes. Uh, thereby making it my problem that I needed to re-download the entire app because the skin you didn't push to that you pushed to me without asking me uh, didn't go quite right. Fucking clown shoes. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And I hate to slag on them, but uh, this is just awful. This is really just inexcusably bad. It's an awful UI when it comes down to it. It's really ugly. It looks like some like Windows Vista shit. I mean, I, I think their their UI across the board, at least, and particularly with the Mac and iOS apps, is dreadful. Re- regardless, and not even the visual treatment. I think, oh you know, yeah, it's just lazy ass shit. That's exactly like I mean, like if you click around in it, it like it's totally bonkers. Like, why doesn't any of this shit animate? Like, when I'm opening and closing these panels, like, what are these? Uh, you know, these icons aren't placed anywhere near the things that they control. Like, you know, like. Their scrubber is like, why doesn't it do, you know, like, why aren't there any icons anywhere? Like, what was even happening? Like, why are there any tooltips? If you go like, and you look at the view, the album view, it, uh, it used to show in the old UI, uh, yeah. the list, of, a, a indented, a bezeled list of the icons of people who've listened to that album recently. So it was pretty cool. You could uh, see, you know, oh look, Colin Phillip and uh, a bunch of my other friends listen to this album. It might be pretty good. Uh, and the switch to the all-white UI uh, removed that bezel entirely. So now when you go to an album, there's just this sad string of icons sticking out for no reason with absolutely no context cues as to what they might be about and it's even more bizarre when not many people listen to the album and there's only like 
two or three icons just randomly appearing in the middle of your screen. It's utterly, <laughs> utterly bizarre. And, and, and also, like, why is that album artwork so small? Right? Like, it's really? Yeah. Like, I mean, is that what we've been reduced to? Like, from 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 the twelve inch LP format to CD, and now to like you know like postage when stamp I say size. Thumbnail, I'm like, I mean, it's fucking screen. This like, smaller than my thumbnail. This horseshit. Yeah. Anyway, they screwed that up. Computers. Yeah, man. Websites. Websites. Internet. Smartphones. <laughs> uh, I have here on the list hats. Hats and the discovery that one's <laughs> noggin is enormous and freakish, and that you've been living among uh, regular humans all this time, and you're. This can, can I tell you when I discovered that that my head was too large? Um, I I I remember very vividly when I was maybe three, probably three years old. Um, my my older brother, uh, we we were we were in our our bedroom. And he, he had crawled under the bed. He just straight up crawled under the bed. And I was like, holy shit, that's pretty cool. Like, I want to do that. So, like, I try to crawl under the bed. And I, I get I get maybe, like, five inches in. And I'm like, huh, not really making much headway anymore. Uh, so I try to, like, pull back out. Headway. I, thank you. Um, and... Shit, shit wasn't happening. I was, I was fucking stuck. Oh, dang! And it was terrifying. That's awful. And and then from then on, yeah, it's it's been an entire lifetime of uh, not fitting into uh, baseball caps, batting helmets, and uh, I, I had I had a they had to order me a special batting helmet in baseball. Damn, damn, son. So you you got like you got like big head mode on basically. Right, right, yeah, it's. Some golden eye shit. <laughs> I, 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 you know, if, if, you know, I wish life would have granted me paintball mode or something, but no, I got, I got big. Would head paintball mode. mode just be like everything you throw just leaves marks of paint on the wall? It's like, oh, I dropped my pencil. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would every every secretion, every, everything would just be paint. Secretion. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about your colorful vagina, lady. Oh God. <laughs> That's because you're dealing with the ace. <laughs> but, but Patrick, you 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 had trouble recently. That's, that's yeah. what brought this all up, right? Because I so, hadn't worn it. I just want to say, like, wait, wait. I, before you start, I just want to say that I feel extremely privileged sitting here wearing my seven and three eighths yeah. baseball this, cap. There's some, there's some small head privilege yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. Philip right and here. I were discussing the fact that there is some serious small head privilege going on. Continue. Uh. I hadn't worn a hat since uh, marching band in high school, and before that, since like first grade, I just have always disliked hats. And then I saw one that I kind of liked, and I bought it. And wow, this is really terribly uncomfortable. Oh god! And I kept and I kept going one, you know, one uh, click by one click on the sizer, oh, thinking it's a, you it's know, a snapback. Yeah, it's a snapback. All right. Uh, and I'm thinking, it's, it's just like a regular baseball cap. And uh, I'm thinking, oh, this, every time I readjust it, oh, this will be the size that fits my head perfectly. <laughs> and then I get to the end, and I'm like, there's no more hat, and, and this still doesn't fit all that well. <laughs> Shit. I'm a monster. Right. Like, you, that, that Wu-Tang hat that you graciously gave me for my birthday... Um, I I can't wear it. I I put it. I and I didn't. I didn't do the 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 walk down the snapback. I knew. I knew it was gonna happen. I I just went all the way to the end, which looks goofy. Like you you can't wear it that way. No. Even if it fits, you can't wear it that way because it's fucking stupid. <laughs> um. But I tried it anyway, and even then the hat was uncomfortable and and barely went on. Yeah. Yeah, I have so the new era caps, you know the the like the 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 ones without the 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 strap back or the snap back, not those, the the regular new era ones, right? The fifty nine yeah. fifty ones. Mm-hmm. Um, my hat size is apparently seven and three eighths, which I guess is normal. I don't know. I was able to buy it at the the A's shop, but my problem is that I look really, for the most part, I look really stupid in hats. 
but I like I like hats. But like most hats, when I try them on, I'm like, I look like a fucking idiot because I have a fairly small face, and and the, so the hat just looks enormous on me. It just like right. it's like, oh look, like here's a person with a normal sized hat and a tiny face. <laughs> what happened? Did someone shrink his face with a shrink ray? Like what is really, that? Colin? Is I'm pretty child? sure nobody has ever thought that. That's what I see when I look. Yes. When I look in the mirror, I'm like, what is this gigantic thing on top of my head? I think I never wore hats out of self consciousness about the ears. My the fact that my ears are somewhat large as well, and now I just kind of stop. I ceased like giving a shit about that. Yeah, I, I I have the Will Smith ears too. You, you know, you know what what double sucks even more about hats not fitting correctly. Like I'm now at this point where I've lost enough hair that mm. I have I have to worry about the top of my head getting sunburned. Um, and, and no hats really do the job. Unfortunately, I'm 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 dark complected when when uh, I get enough sun, so it's not a problem. But I mean, come on, fucking throw me a bone universe like <laughs> let me wear a hat or give me some goddamn hair oh. oh man that's a that's a rough lot to pick man this is postmodem feeling rough edition <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah feeling kind of blue postmodem curse your luck and swear at the world <laughs> Um, what else is on the list? Healthcare. We could talk about healthcare, question mark. There's a sort of whether or not we should talk about it. I don't know. We don't really talk about politics th- uh, we that don't much. Have boundaries. But I, th- that's not the real reason why I think that it's not particularly worth talking about. The real reason is because it's so obviously the right thing to do that I can't see. Uh, <laughs> what is there to discuss? Good. Yeah, it's I think, happening. I think, I think we all just may, might agree here. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Uh, we could we could talk about how, I mean, I, I I could put forth the idea that we should have done single payer in the first place, instead well, yeah. of this crazy yeah, like. Yeah, I rock. think that was, I think we also agree on that. <laughs> I mean, it, well, isn't it kind of it, it is kind of insane though that like we went with basically the Romney care model, like Mitt mm-hmm. Romney's plan for Massachusetts, and that not like unintentionally like that was specifically floated as the example that they were going to copy to like satisfy this because it's like look a republican governor in a blue state like that's the sort of compromise we need change we can believe Mm -hmm. in blah 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 right and then Mitt romney has done a went 180 on it a hundred percent is like that was my worst idea like that was a bad you know blah 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 like it's just like mind-boggling like yeah it's utterly bizarre before it was Romney care, I mean, it was it was the Republican option. To, it was the Republican um, option to single payer a single payer system right. back in like ninety three. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. When the when when you know like Hillary Clinton and and everything where they were like they were doing that then like that was their alternative, and like just what where where have we <laughs> what happened like, but at, at least it wasn't one of those like moments like where like when bush v gore came down and you're like uh, you're like Fuck. like i think we might have talked about this before but like sometimes i really do feel like i'm living in the universe that like superman flies into and he's like oh my yes. god everything is fucked up like yeah, yeah so we, I, we definitely I, talked about this on the last show yeah yeah i mean just seriously like what like what? Now, what's super amusing is to indulge in a little bit of schadenfreude, uh, by which I mean uh, laughing at the people on on Twitter who, apparently seriously, I may be being trolled, that's always an option, I'm very easy to troll, uh, they were straight up citing the, uh, do not cover thy neighbor's ox, nor his ass, nor his wife, nor anything that is his, as a reason to not provide universal health care. The whole thing about Christianity is a guy who gave health care to the sick. <laughs> Do you did you not read the second half? I don't get it. Jesus is the original single payer. It's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, well, it it, it depends on and uh, you know your your exegesis. Like you know, some <laughs> some people say that when Jesus went to Lazarus, he was like, "Hey, motherfucker, you're." A- 
you're you're not covered spiritually covered <laughs> you've got a pre-existing condition <laughs> <laughs> you're dead you have a pre-existing condition <laughs> that is a hell of a pre-existing condition i wonder i wonder if you could get health insurance for someone who's dead i'm sure somebody it's I'm sure that is part of some fraud somewhere. <laughs> They're never going to get sick. That's true. <laughs> but what if they do? That's their ideal customer. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> as long as somebody's paying for that dead motherfucker, like, that's, that's, they, that's they, free they money. They sign up tons of dead people. <laughs> that, that's true. It's free money. Could we do a thing like the Mormon church and retroactively uh, name dead people customers? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like, oh, no, 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 I've got health care for me and all my dead ancestors. It's cool. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes. I baptized uh, my dead grandfather into this insurance company, and he's actually been doing really well ever since. <laughs> <laughs> he's way happier. I'm pretty sure my, uh, my sadly late grandfather was actually never happy, so. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Again, feeling blue. Feeling rough edition, yeah. <laughs> is it, uh, I, I'm curious, Colin, where you are, is it super hot and humid, or is this just the East Coast? That, Shh, uh, bitch, please. Is it cold? <laughs> it's lovely here, like it always is. It's not always lovely in San Francisco, that is a lie. Sometimes it's, night, it, it sucks. It's pretty night, much it sucks. always lovely here. Um, let's see what the weather is right now. It is 63. I would say lovely is 72 to 75. We're, I'm in a good, you know, 91 degrees here in New York, and uh, I consider that lovely. I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's like too cold, too wet, too windy. Those are the things you have to worry about in San Francisco. Um... My last apartment, it would get way too hot up there, but that's because that's because of the building. You know, it would be it would be in the like the seventies outside, and then it would be in the you know mid eighties inside. And you're just at that point, you're just like kill me because it's you're inside your house and you can't go anywhere, and there's no like you know you don't have anything. You're not walking around. You're just sitting there, so it's like you're not like really like getting the sweat evaporating off you which is what cools you down right you're sort of right. uh, you're just sort of like stewing in yeah your own, exa yeah uh, exactly in your own secretions secretions yes secretions <laughs> comes up again <laughs> you know i have an episode title guys it's secretions <laughs> i'm just covered in rainbow paint because i have paint uh, mode on uh, <laughs> um, but, uh, sp speaking of getting back to the, the topic of schadenfreude um I, I, we talked about this when i moved here um you know, during the winter, everybody was very eager to be like, hey, how's, how's winter going for you, Tex? <laughs> like, how you enjoying the cold? And now, now is the time where I'm really having trouble not being a smug asshole. How's summer where, going for you, New York? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, how about, this, how about this heat, everybody? Like, you know, as I, as I drink a, a warm cup of coffee at the heat of the day, like, and they're like, man, this heat wave is unbearable. And I'm like, I'm going to take a nap outside. Feels delightful. Yeah. That's why I like it. It's a little cooler here than it gets in New York. Uh, I kind of like that. It doesn't get too hot. Well, the thing about, so the thing about, like, that makes the New York, like, experience different from the Texas and the Hawaii experience is that in New York it ends, right? And it's like, it's sort of like this three-month blast of, like, humidity and heat, and then it's over. And yeah, then, it's a season. Right, it's a season. Whereas... Otherwise, it's a way of life. Like, I just I just thought that you would, you know, that, that was just the way it worked. I'm just like, oh, well, it's always hot outside. You always get sweaty walking around. You know, you, you know, that's just the way it is. Right. And then you just get, you just get used to it. You just, you, yeah. that's just your life. And then you, like, leave and then come back and you're like, wow, it was, was it always as hot here? Like... In, in almost a zen way, you gain acceptance. You're like, yeah. before you even go outside, you, you know, and you're already sweaty. You're not sweaty yet, but you know inside that you're, you're sweaty. You're sweaty on the inside. And you're at peace with that. Right. You've accepted That's it. That's the key. That's the key to, to, to being comfortable in the heat, is just acting like you're already sweaty. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, being sweaty is not a big deal. Like, yeah, right. it, is, it is certainly socially acceptable to be sweaty on a hot day. And yeah. advertisements have uh, convinced us otherwise. 
the, you, you have to get, com- get comfortable with the inevitability of swamp ass. Oh, yes, swamp ass. Yes. Yeah, shorts help a lot because they provide a yep. lot of venting and they're key. Yep. Yeah, when it's hot, you gotta have shorts. Um, the first time I actually heard that phrase swamp ass, this is actually a pretty good story. I was, it was after I'd moved to Maryland for college and I, I was riding in my buddy's car and he, he had electric seats, like they would heat up, like you could turn it on. Uh. And, and this was fantastic in the winter. This is great. But then he warned me and he was like, but you gotta be careful about swamp ass. And I'm like, what's swamp ass? He's like, you know, when your butt gets all sweaty. And I'm like, well played, well played, Steve. It's a good, it's a good turn of phrase. Swamp ass, yeah. I feel like my positions on like the heat and the cold have been kind of shaped by. I I, li- I moved around a whole bunch growing up, but I happened to spend most of my time off the coast of Lake Erie, where we just get the extremely hot air and the extremely cold air that comes off the lake in summer and winter respectively so in the summer it gets up to 105 and if you put a piece of paper outside it curls up because of the humidity in a couple of minutes and then there are times when it's two feet of slow and our door gets iced shut so i'm sort of resigned to the fact that there are seasons and when i live in a place where there aren't seasons like san francisco it gives me the willies Freaks me out, yeah. man. I, seasons, seasons are amazing, and, I, and I've, I've come to learn this after you know get, coming through my first full full dose of seasons. Yeah, no. Um, and and it's it's the contrast that's amazing because every every transition period is followed by some sort of of like group reaction or jubilation, like you know from 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 summer to fall. Um, you know, everybody's like, well, I'm glad, you know, it's not so fucking hot anymore. Um, you know, let's all, uh, go outside in our, our normal clothing and then fall the winter. Everybody's like, fuck this shit. Let's go inside. And, but then, but then between winter and spring and spring and summer, at least in New York, it seems every, it, it's, it's an incredible time because everybody yeah. seems to celebrate it by, by just, um, dressing in fewer clothes yes yep. people just take off all of their clothes it's ridiculous right like, yeah. like that, people are just like i'm gonna go get naked in the park that That's jonathan that jonathan colton song like about the first of may fucking out and uh, fucking outside not at all inaccurate in new york no 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 that, that was it's absolutely based accurate. on true events oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> i'm serious yeah. He needs to write the one about the guy who gets a blowjob on the train. Yes, that's we sh- you should you should send that into him, man. I'll, I'll mail. You should I'll tweet mail that, that to him. him. <laughs> um, but that remind that just reminds me of like this memory I have of like being in Maryland and like it was it was like the end of the the semester and so it was like everyone was out on this like giant we had this giant mall like. Uh, in front of the library and it was huge um because the campus is fucking enormous and uh just like it being completely fucking packed with people sunbathing it was like you know it was like i don't know like april or march or, or may or something like that and it was just like no one basically everyone was either in a bathing suit or just naked and they were just like laying there and it was like whoa <laughs> whoa nudity well after like you know the winter when like everyone was completely covered in clothing yeah it's it's somewhat shocking to see the skin of another human man (laughs) the fact that you guys got introduced to seasons like after uh, after you grew up and yeah and you hadn't (laughs) absorbed them into your metaphysics it's bizarre to me yeah. Do you know what it's like to go through kindergarten and have them talk about and have you learn the properties of each season, but observing <laughs> none of that in reality? Yes. Do you know what that does to your ontology? It's, it's confusing. I actually, for the longest time, didn't understand how seasons worked. I'm still not sure I do now. No, 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 no. Like, 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 I thought winter ended at the, on December 31st, and that's when spring began. Spring began on January. That's how I thought it worked. I was like, well, the spring is the start, so it comes at the beginning of the year. Duh. 
problem solved next like <laughs> and then like eventually i realized that that winter actually the beginning of the year is actually most of winter like most of winter is not in the end of the year it's like at the it's at the beginning and then spring doesn't come for another couple months and that's just that's always still messed with me i'm like but the winter is the ending and shouldn't that be at the end of the year like that mm-hmm. just doesn't make any sense i mean i understand why because of you know the equinox and the solstice and all that crap like that but like you know uh, that that may, does make a little sense to me i remember going through a distinct period of ontological anguish uh when i went to australia when i was in first grade oh and, god uh, everything's backwards everything is backwards and that was, that was that was pretty frightening uh <laughs> pretty, I, I remember grappling with the fact that my cousins celebrated christmas when it was hot outside just kind of marveling at what a world oh god six-year-old patrick yeah consumed <laughs> by existential dilemmas as he is as he remains several years yeah. later yeah did you did you have to return first principles oh yeah I oh yes i distinctly have i've worked out from first principles <laughs> uh, am I the only one who went through a period of time as a child when he was uh, gripped by the fear that everybody else might be a robot? Patrick, I was gripped by the fear that everybody was going to hell. Yeah, okay, that's you. Maybe you beat me that. They beat me on that one. That's I true. definitely like seriously and deeply considered the idea that like none of this is real. Like for yeah. quite a while, for quite a long time, I was like. What if this is all a story? It, it, yeah, I remember grappling with this. And, and then, then, and then the asking, worst part is, what if I'm not the main character? That's a Woody Allen bit. Yeah. What, what, if, you're, what if you're a red shirt? Yeah. Or what if I'm like, what if I'm going to be in like one scene later? And this is just all like backstory from like the, the this story's equivalent of the Silmarillion. Like what mm. if my life is the Silmarillion? That's that would cool. be pretty cool. The that Silmarillion should... is the best thing that Tolkien wrote, it's... and I'm going to go on record as saying that. Really? I used yes. it, I literally used it to fall asleep in high school. Dude, Silmarillion is brilliant. <laughs> I would read it when I couldn't sleep, and then I would go to sleep. This is going to be good. I, 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 I I'll give, I'll give it another shot. I mean, I'm... that was a long time ago. Like, I'll, I'll give it a shot. To me, I don't know. I, I, I have a craving for backstory. I must have it, and uh, Tolkien made backstory pretty much better than ever. Yeah, everybody he, did. Else. He, he brought the backstory. It's true. Uh, when you when he built a universe, he started with the not the language. He started with the etymological roots and built languages out of those etymological roots. Dude was insane. He was a professor of philology, right? Yes, yeah, he, he was, was a, a linguist. Yeah, he was a linguist, and he was like, I mean, all this shit started because he was like basically just like fucking around like and like wouldn't wouldn't it be cool if you had a language built on xyz and then he was like oh yeah we can probably build a world around that then he started writing yep what what one thing i find very interesting about tolkien and his relationship is tolkien and his relationship with c.s lewis and their theology and like just like charting that over time and like looking at like their different like you know like approaches to it and like the different shit they wrote about it and like it's just it's just fucking fascinating tolkien yeah, was a theist correct yes yeah I, well he he i mean he was kind of the person that lewis credited with um you know a, a fair amount of his conversion well, yeah, a fair amount of credit for his conversion yeah lewis tolkien was a theist his whole life lewis converted and he actually he actually said had this really great story about it like he took a walk Lewis took a walk with his brother and then he says when I left I didn't believe in God and when we came back I did like it a just, well-turned phrase it just it's interesting it just for him like it just sort of happened like all at once like well I mean there's I mean, yeah and there's there's quite a there, long there was story. build up to it you know there was build up to it of course like, but he, like he wrote an entire book about this um it was called surprised by joy and oh I haven't read that yeah yeah, it's 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 a good read, um, but yeah, details his his basically his entire upbringing up to the point of his conversion, and it's it's a, it's you know it's it's details from earliest moments of childhood to that moment as a professor. That's crazy. I hadn't I hadn't I hadn't heard of that. It's interesting that uh, Lewis is remembered though uh, for his literary uh, defenses and his writings about Christianity. He is often brought up, you know, as a 
as a leader in that particular era of Christian thought. Uh, and Tolkien generally isn't. You don't hear his religion being discussed all that much. And I wonder whether... Uh, I don't really... I mean, I don't know why that is. I mean, you. Can, I don't really see how you can separate the Lord of the Rings from Christianity. I mean, like, they're extremely closely connected. And the thing is, though, did, did Tolkien write any, you know, serious apologetic works? I mean, I, I think Lewis's apologetics outshined his fiction. I mean, it, at least not in terms of quality, if you ask me, but... Um, in terms of attention. Know, most people... Right. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. at the time. Especially at the time. Like the screw tape it's letters. It's no question that he's known for different things than he was back then. The screw tape letters, for example, is a great example, right? Yeah. Like, and and and, it, and uh, it's what you say is true. The Lord of the Rings is full of uh, Christian iconography and whatnot. So it's not. You can't really make the argument that uh, it's that like uh, my original line of thinking actually was uh, that it might be because the uh, Christian parallels are extremely blatant in the whole Narnia series. They're very explicitly right. laid out. Yeah. Uh, it was it was not subtle. It's not subtle at all. I mean, it's not particularly subtle in Lord of the Rings either. I mean, like it's a, like <laughs> it's nor I don't know. Narnia is to me on another level. You've got Aslan who dies on the artifact and comes back and uh, leaves people, and they have deep, long philosophical discussions about the nature of truth and love and light. I don't know. For, yeah, uh, I mean, I guess. I mean, but like reading, I, I don't know how much else of Lewis's stuff you've read. Uh, like his 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 uh, space trilogy is, is a good example of. I've like, not read that. That's actually my favorite. Of yeah, it's really really good. Like uh, Paralandra. Uh, am I saying that right? Prelandra. Prelandra. Yeah. Um, is it's just a fantastic book, and it's just like, and you can see. The, the Christian shit in there in different ways. And some of it is actually kind of gross, especially the first book. It's like very like, ugh, like, right. um, but it's, it's more of a product of his time. And like, I'll have to check it out. I have, I've never heard and of that. In that case, it seems like the main character is, is almost very directly a proxy for Lewis. Lewis, especially Lewis, like pre-conversion too. Right. Like, yeah. and then sort of like his, that it's detailing that process and like, all, all his shit and it's and they're they're very yeah. good and then it's like yeah. it's 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 almost like a sci-fi like version of something like uh pilgrim's progress or something huh, like. that's really cool yeah the last i heard uh lewis's religion religious views discussed in detail was an interesting book by a guy from harvard medical medical school who uh examined and contrasted uh uh, the religious views of Sigmund Freud and Lewis. Uh, Ooh. And at first, like, this... And they never met, they never corresponded, which is, like, at first maybe skeptical to, uh... To, to the idea of this book, you but know... But they were contemporaries, about, right? But they were contemporaries. They yeah. were similarly raised. Uh, they were both given you both very well-educated. Uh, they were both they were both very prolific. They were both respected as men of letters, and the parallels are really rather striking. And mm -hmm. then you get to the point of religion, and they are they could not be, they could absolutely not be more uh, divergent. And that was an interesting exploration to a book. That, uh, it's called uh, the Question of God. It's a good read. Nice. I like where this went. This went to this went to a good place. Yeah. This is. Uh, intellectual hour and feeling rough hour and <laughs> why is it hot outside hour <laughs> I think uh, returning to the topic of seasons uh, I'm glad that seasons exist because otherwise nobody would have anything in the midwest to talk about <laughs> that's true there's nothing else to talk about there there really isn't I'm glad that they exist otherwise there'd be a lot more uh, pauses and you know if we didn't talk we might learn something I mean, shit. We talked about the weather on our podcast. Yeah. Holy shit. Wow. It's not the dumbest thing we've ever talked about, guys. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's not. It just, it's just surprising when you put it that way. That <laughs> and, and somehow, you, one could even argue that it elevated the discourse to a, a literary level. Yeah. You, you can almost draw a direct line. <laughs> a direct would be putting it strongly. This line would be highly branching and divergent. But that—I mean—that's how we are. Yes, and I, I like to think that that's part of what makes this interesting. I would hope so. Um, shout out to the listeners. This one's for you. Yeah, listeners, let's keep on listening. Yeah, please. Oh God. 
there was an issue we didn't bring up earlier. Uh, wait, we did bring up uh, ultimate right wing care mad in the con- uh, context of the healthcare law. There, a lot of people are having a lot of fun with the ironic retweet, which I believe is the, fir- the 21st century's first contribution to satire. The ironic retweet? <laughs> I love that shit. It, I, I live in fear of getting ironically retweeted. <laughs> that I would ne- be devastating I never, to me. I've never even considered that might happen to me. Holy fuck. There were a few times where I was worried, um, where where I saw somebody who who is a prolific ironic retweeter retweet a tweet of mine, and I was like, I'm not sure if they're they're making fun of me or agreeing with me. Um, I, I I landed on the former, I, the latter, fortunately, but uh, it it did terrify me a little bit. That's a it's a little nerve wracking, especially when your friends are masters of the ironic retweet as a as a medium. Are, are we talking about Cliff here? Yes, we're talking about Cliff. God, I love Cliff. He's the man. Shout out to Cliff. Yeah. Uh, on the list, there's also the initiative. To, did you guys hear about the initiative to send the uh, rapper Pitbull to the Kodiak Islands? No, I have not heard about this, and I want to know all about it. So, uh, do you guys you guys know the... Uh, there's this group of uh, Something Awful writers who are really funny. There's It's John Hendren and David Thorpe. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, I'm familiar uh, with them. They are... Uh, what fart at fart and at r respectively yeah, yeah. uh and they discovered that uh, they got a press release about oh just one of these amazing i can't believe it's real press releases <laughs> about pitbull doing a thing with walmart where as part of his endorsement deal with oh man i can't even remember it and it's so good that i have to look this up uh, part of his endorsement deal with something or other the Walmart in the United States that got the most Facebook likes will get visited by, Pit, by Pitbull, this awful, awful, awful pop rapper. And so they naturally found out where the world's, where the most remote uh, Walmart is. And that the answer is on Kodiak Island, Alaska, which has a population of uh, 6,000. Uh, it is well on its way to becoming the most liked local Walmart store in the world at this moment. Uh, let's see. Social media. Yes. Uh, at, it now has 6,000 likes, which I believe is more than the population of Kodiak Island. Uh, so here's hoping we see this... Uh, this this beautiful man no. reach his destination. No. There's l- Godspeed, sir! Yes. Good night, sweet prince. Yeah, we're we're gonna have to stay appraised of this situation. I hope, that, man. If this if this turns out like a Smash Mouth eating uh... eggs situation, I'm gonna be really disappointed. Wait, wait, wait! Smash Mouth eating eggs? You don't know? Oh, about you didn't hear this? about this one? You don't know about this one, Philip? I don't think so. Oh my so. god! This was it orchestrated was a great by of the ex- yeah, yeah. This was orchestrated by Fart at Fart. Yeah, John this Hendren. guy is this guy is yeah amazing. He's, yeah, I'm I'm familiar with Fart. Yes. He is, he is fantastic, and uh, I don't really remember the story that well, so maybe you should tell it, Patrick. I don't remember. He, somebody got somewhere, got Smash, Smash Mouth to agree to a charity fundraiser where they had to eat 20 eggs or something, and one, and Fart was the only person who found out about this fundraiser, which everybody else had forgotten it, and slowly, one person by person, championed this cause, eventually culminating in the Smash <laughs> Just their Twitter, because these guys are washed up in a way, in a way so profound that only these mid '90s band, bands can be. Right. What is less right. relevant than Smash Mouth? Classic rock. Even that's slightly relevant because people still listen to that. Yeah, I mean, the classic rock musicians perform at the Super Bowl. Yeah. No, I'm thinking of like like a, like a one hit wonder classic rock musician, like like the Smash Mouth of their day from the seventies. Yeah. Like, uh, okay, I suppose thirty eight special or something. Yeah, yeah, Bad Company. I know only I know all of these bands, but only insofar as they are uh, one hit wonder bands that I have never heard and are used as general punchlines. Bad Company, they. Uh, Philip, they did actually play that Bad Company song at the end of the Joko show here. Spectacular. Yes, it was amazing. I just, I like, just let it rip. I was, I was, it was awesome. 
feel like making love. It sounds like you farted during the show. <laughs> no, no, I like saying very loudly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Thank you for I, the clarification. Yeah. No. What else? What? No, no. I I belted it out. You know, I like saying extremely loudly, like just like everyone else did. I just want to disambiguate. I, I, when I use that phrase, it means it means fart. Well, I mean, it, it, it can also mean fart, but it just any, let anything, anything come out, anything that you are holding inside. Out of any <laughs> orifice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I really, I really just wanted to to level out uh, our, our our earlier literary discourse with, with uh, some fart jokes. Some farts. Yeah, yeah, we gotta yeah. step up the fart. Hey, jokes. kids, how about a few fart jokes? Uh. uh <laughs> please, again, children, don't listen to us. Oh god, that'd be terrible. <laughs> Cause isn't our next topic the business of dealing crack? Uh it was one of the one of the topics. This was prompted by uh a half hour to forty five extemporization on the <laughs> economics of crack, which I gave to Colin. Dude, that was fucking fascinating. Like that was like some New Yorker level shit. Colin asked one question, forty five <laughs> minutes later I finished up typing like so many paragraphs. <laughs> Yeah, I would just like. Yeah. I think I just asked like, like, wh- like, why is crack so much more profitable than weed? Is basically like what I asked. Yeah, so then I explored the uh, yeah the <laughs> economics of it because it's, I think it's super interesting. But uh, not everybody uh, likes it when you talk about that sort of interesting thing. Well, this is why we're friends because I yes. like that. <laughs> yes. Did Did you detail the commandments? Uh yes, the ten crack commandments were covered. Okay, good. I don't think we're all ten covered. I think you just uh, mentioned the song. I don't think you actually you actually explored them in, de- in detail. Well, most of them are pretty straightforward. Straightforward. And what's interesting is that th- th- this is for the listeners who are unacquainted with the work of the Notorious B.I.G. This is a reference to the Notorious B.I.G. song, "The Ten Crack Commandments," which has been adopted, you know, by a, a lot of uh, crack dealers. I was going to say, you know, people of varied and interesting income. Uh, street pharmacists. The, street pharmacists. The, the crack industry, as it were. The crack insiders. Yeah. The WWDC of crack. Worldwide yes. dope and crack convention. And apparently, this is it's based on a list that was actually found uh, in a crack organization in the 80s uh, called uh, the Chambers Brothers, who ran 300 crack houses and uh would find and when the police raided these crack houses they find these like mission statements and these, <laughs> vision uh, the, vision documents these the, 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 these uh <laughs> these lists of things to do and not to do as your lo- in your role as a local distributor you must etc uh, and they kept getting compared to all these Fortune 500 companies because they would get super involved in their employees' lives and give them like life. Co- what, what amounted to the crack life coaching? <laughs> Isn't wow. that bizarre? That is amazing, and I, I, I'm not familiar with the the song actually. Like, so. it's a good song. You should listen to it. Yeah. So great. what are the what are the commandments? Well, uh, there's. Uh, Never get high on your own supply. Yeah. Well, that's the, from the, the, the first one is the, the first one is. Never, uh, never tell anyone how much. The, obviously, Biggie puts it better. And I'm not just gonna read the lyrics. This Biggie song, I would be doing it a huge disservice. But there's, ne- uh, don't reveal how much money you have. Don't let anybody know your plans. Don't trust anybody. Don't get high on your own supply. Uh, don't sell crack where you sleep. Uh, don't give anything anybody on credit. Uh, don't uh, mix your family and your business. Uh, don't carry crack yourself. Get other people, pay other people to carry crack for you. Leave the police alone, and be careful when you take things. <laughs> and be careful when you take things on consignment. These are actually solid business decisions. Yeah, these are these are just good small business commandments. I like leave the police yes. alone. Like Biggie's <laughs> I mean, original words were: him- "If you ain't getting bagged, stay the fuck from police." <laughs> that's solid it advice is. because especially as someone involved in an illicit industry it can be extremely tempting i'm sure to like just you know unload on cops right you know or to just and just yeah, like or just verbally just even just verbally like you see one and you're just like mad like your your buddy got arrested or whatever right like 
just get up in their face and just start yelling at them. Like, yeah, but it's a, it's a very sensible but, little lift and a very good song. Yeah, that was off his second CD, which is spotty and. In bits, I have not. That's why I'm not familiar with it because I haven't listened. It's to like it yet. the best. It's the best-selling rap double album ever. It's like the seventh best-selling album ever because it's counted as a two CD sales for uh, every sale. Oh, because it's a double album. So it's yeah. something like yeah, yeah. ten or twelve times platinum. It's yeah, it's Shit. diamond. Whatever that is, that level is, it's diamond certified, uh, which is just utterly insane, especially for a yes. long uh, and very heavy. And very depressing in parts. Uh, rap album released by somebody who had died two days, uh, two weeks before. Well, the death probably helped the sales. Let's be, let's be honest. Yeah, let's uh, let's be yes. frank. Maybe we love our own myths, and we will go get it. Get it. It was oh, a Frank, Frank, the black Frank White. Yes, Frank White. Ooh, very good, <laughs> very good, Colin. I award you ten points. Excellent. Yeah, we were actually talking about Patrick. We were talking about the notorious Big Biggie uh, a while back, and about how like uh, just how ready to die is like, like it, it captures man at his at his height and at his low, and particularly because of the way it was recorded. You know, half of it was recorded when he was at his most frustrated and at his you know absolute just sort of at his absolute lowest, still dealing drugs, and yeah, and and like just sort of just basically like ready to quit the music industry and and then he left and then came back after very narrowly getting completely owned by the cops like um just missed it by like i think it was like mm-hmm. one day was, mm-hmm. it, was that right like he, he the the drug house he was in in south carolina got raided the day after he left to go back to new york and was just like it's just this ju- it's just these jubilant songs all the radio hits that you know from that yeah, album it's like all good works that like Rap in in particular is very much about like li- the life and death, uh, you know that particular the phoenix, point. The phoenix sort of uh, uh, story. It's very Homerian in its attitudes, yeah. you know, about uh, life and death and glory and sex and uh, action. Yes, action. Oh shit! It's fucking getting near wrap up time. It's shitty, <laughs> and it's starting to thunderstorm. We've been going for about an hour, though. 100 bars. Feeling pretty good about that. Do we have any shout-outs to give? We got our regular shout-out to the editor. Thanks, Peter. Mr. Peter Hosey. Thank you, Peter. Yes. Thank you, Peter. Thanks. Um, it's pretty awesome. Uh, did we miss any good topics? Uh, I like this topic, but I think we'll save it for next time, uh, which is when people mistake software developers for uh, students or artists. I, or, I have a story relevant to this. Yes, I, I I saw it because of your story in your Twitter feed a couple of days ago, and I was like, "This is a funny topic." I I, I think we could we could end with a politeness question mark. Uh, yeah, the question of I, this I was thinking about because uh, you but but you guys and who else had a big discussion about this uh, about uh, fake nice the concept of fake nice oh yeah yeah it was uh, who was that Philip do you remember who that was with um, well uh, I think it got kicked off because um, Mike Mike Lee was tweeting about the perception of New Yorkers as rude and yes, yes yes that's where it started I, I opined uh, that that I had not found that to be the case. That in fact, New Yorkers are, are actually some of the nicest people um, on average that I've met. And then uh, the the and discussion I, I, spiraled. I, I ch- I, yeah, I think I chimed in with saying like that's because they're they they just don't want to waste your time, so they seem brusque. But they are if you're if you come up and you have a you know legit reason to talk to somebody, like people are actually quite nice. But if you just like. You know, if you're just, you know, if you're wasting their time, essentially, just sort of vapidly, just sort of jawing, like... Yeah, and I think that that's a form of uh, politeness, because it's, yeah. you know, it, right. when you're when you're brusque with someone, you're valuing their time, you know, you're not wasting their right. time. Uh, right, you're, and so you're not I, chatting about something irrelevant when they clearly have no interest, which is which is what I would define as fake nice. Yeah, it's kind of seconds can matter yeah. thing, also, you know? Also, being honest with people is polite and respectful. And yes, um, because you 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 trust that they can handle the information and process it, right? <laughs> and and you know I think yeah, I, I, what what came up was you know that um, the South and the Midwest are often characterized by this sort of um, kind of uh, 
constant fake um, niceness and hospitality. I called it fake nice. I don't, th- and that's where I that's where I objected because though I don't think uh, uh, New Yorkers are rude, I also don't think that at all it's uh, a wrong thing to be polite. And that's actually one of the things I like most about the Midwest. I like that it's a place where. Uh, you can wish people good morning and you can say hi to people you don't know and nobody's freaked out and nobody gets mad that's actually i i, I would actually I, I wouldn't characterize that as as what i'm talking about actually i, I kind yeah. of miss that and i um i think you know that's that's just being um you know neighborly um where, where i think i think there is a very specific pattern of behavior um in the south in the midwest where where people are they it's a two-facedness really where where you you are outwardly nice and and even over overly nice to people uh, and then when you're actually upset with them right and then you cut them to pieces when they walk away like now uh, yeah. and that and that's also that's definitely true like there are a lot of people who will be very nice to you and uh to your face because they don't want to lose they want they don't want to lose face uh but they will attack you behind your back. But I, I, it's important to me that not all, you know, of the Midwestern friendliness uh, gets lumped in oh, under I, that. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. definitely but not. I, like, I definitely admit to it as well, because whenever, when I start getting really mad at people is not when I start swearing, because I only swear when I'm, you know, happy and comfortable. Uh, when, I get, when I get super mad at people, I get extremely polite. And, you know, I choose my words very carefully. I don't go off and, like, slag people uh, behind their backs because I'm not in, like, seventh grade. But uh, I, I definitely recognize that there is that Midwestern impulse to get uh, more polite in situations of more emo- extreme emotions. And I hope that that doesn't come off. I, I care insofar as I, I only sort of care about this. It's not a real bugaboo about But I, I do hope that... Uh, most Midwestern uh, friendliness doesn't come off as the sort of true uh, two-facedness, as you put no, it, Dylan. No, yeah. yeah, and I feel like like this it's a distinction between like being very friendly and being polite. I think are sort of very separate, although they are closely related. Mm-hmm. Like I would characterize friendliness as smiling at someone, saying hello, waving, making eye contact, something like that. And I, I think people in New York. Do 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 that. Like if if you said hello or wave to somebody, like they wouldn't completely freak out. Like they'd be like, oh okay, like sure. Like they would understand what was going yeah, on and it, they would be they would it, appreciate it. It all depends on context, but, mm-hmm. right? But but politeness is when like let's say you have a conversation with a a, a shopkeeper like at a, a bodega or something like that, right? In New York, if you you know if if, if there's clearly interest. You can keep a conversation like that going, absolutely. And people will be very open and will, you know, happily chat with you. But if you are being quiet and just, you know, looking at your phone or just looking around or just, you know, doing something else, not thinking about it, they're not going to try and bother you. Yeah. They're just going to leave you alone and they're just going to, like, give you your change. And then, like, if you say, have a nice day, they'll say, have a nice day back, and then you can leave. Mm -hmm. Like, whereas I've definitely been in places where, like, you if if you don't also interact with them like you know and they're like ch- trying to chat you up and you're like not having any of it they will keep going and like it's just it i can f- i find that extremely irritating personally yeah that is it's a bit much it's funny growing up in hawaii i had this very different perception on all of that especially what you were talking about patrick about like in situations of extreme emotion like my instinct is to get quiet and i just like stop talking and like just like say nothing so if, if you ever see me upset like you'll know because i'm not saying anything <laughs> like on twitter like and that works to my advantage on twitter because when there's like some sort of huge ass argument going on and i'm like super mad i'll just stop tweeting yes which is the, the absolute the only way yeah. to win an argument on twitter is not to start yeah the only winning move is not right. to play yes right it's some war game shit all up in <laughs> yeah. So you were saying something, Philip, and then I think I cut you off. Yeah, I, I, I think the um, the thing we're talking about with Midwest, Midwesterners and and even Southerners, this um, this uh, kind of overt fake niceness or politeness or whatever. I, I think I think it is it is to New Yorkers what New Yorkers you know brusqueness or rudeness is to everybody else. I, I think um, when 
you know, people from New York or, or just even Northeasterners at large um, come, you know, it, maybe for instance, move to the South. Like I saw this happen several times. They, they are very, they are just as put off by the, um, the, the, the overt niceness as, as, as everybody else is by the brusqueness of, of New York City. Um, they, they find, I think they find it equally as freaky. Yeah, I, and I, I was thinking about that and why the reason why that might be. And I think it's because when you're in a big city uh, like New York or you know L.A. or whatever, uh, little, literally seconds can matter with people, which is why you don't waste their time. Uh, this person could be rushing out, you know, to go to the hospital. Like, in a city that size, there are going to be a million improbable stories that start with somebody being in a huge hurry. And you don't want to, you know, be that guy who held up somebody who was in a hurry. Whereas in the Midwest, there's so much less going on that individual seconds are perhaps less crucial. So it comes down to the expectation of how the other person is going to treat your time. And I think we get hella used to that. And when we get out of that, it's it's very disorienting, yeah. which is why Midwesterners think New Yorkers are rude, and New Yorkers and other uh, people from big cities think Midwesterners and Southern Southern people are fake. Yeah, I mean, like a, a Nebraska minute is probably more like an hour. Yes. Right. I mean, I would be. I would. I, I really want you guys to come out to Hawaii sometime and just like soak in the culture. Like, we'll go to like like a, a potlucks or something like that like with a bunch of like local people and you can just like watch and observe your eyes are gonna bug out of your head it's crazy that sounds- i can't even i can't even describe it colin it's you like don't just- need to sell me on the phrase going to hawaii <laughs> yeah you, you give me a day and i'm there all right man we'll do this let's do this all right all right so i think that basically wraps it up yeah. though i think i think we gotta cut this one short yeah or well oh, not sure i mean this is exactly the same length as all the other ones just over an hour yes we're not gonna ramble on and then excise vast cuts of the episode not that, that happens oh god no i don't think that happens no, no i was exaggerating i'm just covered in rainbow paint <laughs>